Okay, turn with me in your Bible to Numbers chapter 6. We're just going to continue along in our series we're on, Encountering the Beauty of the Lord. And uh, I'll encourage you, if you haven't if you haven't heard any of these, or if you're visiting, you can go to our website, ihop-atlanta.com, and listen to them, download them. They're there for free, and bring you up to speed on where we're at. Um, or you can go to iTunes, just iTunes, search IHOP Atlanta, it'll come right up for you. But uh, we're on the fifth session of a series that I don't know, I don't see any end in sight to. We're just going to stay with this for a while. I feel good about it, praise God. Um, Number six, let me just kind of give a little bit of recap. Number six is the chapter in the Bible where the Lord lays out the ordinance of the Nazarite and explains what a Nazarite vow is and 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 those that want to love the Lord and in holy abandonment and radical abandonment they can in a certain way that's prescribed in the scripture and it's kind of radical you grow your hair and just abstain from a few things and naturally and really there's no there's no precise uh Nazarite vow today because it had to do with worship in the temple and so it was specifically for Jews under the law but we can enter into the spirit of that and uh, last year the Lord really uh, called us to a year of of Nazarite consecration and so uh, interestingly enough at the beginning of this year the Lord started speaking to us about this being a year of encounter and heavenly visitation and seeing the face of Jesus and and gazing on the beauty of the Lord and and really just bubbling that up in our community and several different people really feeling strongly about this is a direction the Lord was giving. And, and so then after the fact, as is the case pretty often with us, uh, we found it right there in the scripture. In that very chapter where it talks about the Nazarites, the very next thing is the, the, the priestly b- blessing that talks about the Lord's face shining upon us. The Lord lifting up his countenance to us and I'd love to have said, yeah, I just saw that in the Word and just knew that was what we're supposed to do. <laughs> but it's more on, after the fact, once, once we you know, kind of got four or five people really feeling stirred about it and a couple dreams, I go, hey, look at that. It's actually in the Bible. Wow. Which I appreciate that because I'd rather go with what the Scripture says than just by the, the prophetic stuff. I love the prophetic stuff, but I really love it when it lines up with the Word. <laughs> and when it doesn't, I don't love it. But... Uh, the Lord tends to do that with us. He'll speak prophetically and then he'll show us the verses that he's talking about. So here it is again, number six. Now I want to go ahead and give another kind of um, layer to the onion tonight. And I'm just, really all I'm going to do tonight is read the menu on a new thought perhaps for you. Um, and it's just, you just have to understand that so often what I preach is what I get devotionally from the Lord when I'm in the prayer room. And so I'm handing you the devotional notes from my good quiet times this week and uh, I'll give you enough that you can chew on for a couple weeks so that should be fun but to be quite honest with you it's an angle and it's a thought that I haven't ever understood before nor have I ever heard anybody speak on it before and so but the number of verses that line up this way are pretty amazing and so I felt strongly the spirit of the Lord directing me as I was in the study again on the beauty of the Lord and the face of Jesus, the majesty and the glory of God. And, uh, and so I want to just draw your attention here in number six, as we get rolling, to uh, this interesting phrase. 
So uh, verse 23, the Lord says to Moses, speak to Aaron and his son saying, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And undoubtedly in a day ahead, we're going to just talk through what the details of the Lord lifting up his countenance upon you is. That sounds like something, wherever the prayer line is for that one, I want that one. I want that one. I want the shining forth of the face of God and the lifting up of his countenance upon us. I want it personally. I don't, I don't mean to be greedy, but uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm coming out of the well of desire in my own heart, and that's what I'm offering uh, in my ministry, and so that's what's in my heart. I want to see his face. And so, then he says, uh, so he says, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. But look at verse 27. It's an interesting phrase here in verse 27. He says, so they, the they is the priests who release this blessing. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. That is an interesting phrase that doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> I'm just straight reading it. They shall put my name. So there's this interesting connection. Let me just give it to you. There's this interesting connection between the shining forth of the face of God and the invoking of the name of God. And there's actually an application where the release of the blessing of his face in some way invokes or places the name of God on the people of God. I know that's a little bit kind of out there, like, what do you mean put the name of God on the people of God? Well, if somebody's got their name written on somebody, that definitely implies ownership. But it implies more than ownership because it's, when the Lord writes his name on you, it's, it's the Lord manifesting all he is to you. And so the, there's this interesting connection between the shining forth of the beauty of the Lord, the, the, the glory of the countenance of God shining forth on the people of God, and then the people of God receiving not only sort of the visual encounter of beauty and glory or the physical touch, the tangible encounter of beauty and glory, but the, the actual impartation of the name upon them. A writing forth or an invoking forth of God's name on the people of God. And that's an interesting idea, but it's really got a lot of depth to it in the verses. And so I want to just unpack this point because the name of God is more than just the name of God. Okay? And so uh, I'm giving you a bit of a Bible study tonight, but I will tell you when I saw this this week, I was how do I say it, filled with heavenly energy. I felt the Lord on this. And it, it, it changed some of my thoughts devotionally. It actually put together pieces in the scripture that I couldn't, I didn't understand before. Just a lot of things came together, so hopefully it'll do the same for you. 
Okay, so let's think about now the name of God. Let's specifically think the Old Testament name of God. Let's not think the New Testament, Yeshua, talking about Jesus. Let's think the Old Testament name of God. So turn over with me to Exodus chapter 3. Because that's what he's talking about in context. When the priests bless the people, lift up the countenance, lift up his face shine upon you, then he will invoke the name of God on the people of God. And he said, and so I will bless them. So in Exodus 3... It's interesting to point to Moses because there are so many that went before Moses that had such incredible encounter with God. I mean, if you think about it, you know, you have Adam, of course, had incredible encounter with God. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I mean, there's much that happens. But it's not until Moses that the Lord sort of, um, he kind of takes everything to another level with Moses. He just sort of unveils himself in a way, uh, in multiple times, in ways that had never been seen before. With Moses, we get, we get massive amounts of revelation of the knowledge and the nature of God. And so, uh, there's so many different firsts. Now look at Exodus 3. I, I can't even begin on the firsts. I don't even know what they all are, but I know there's a bunch of them. And we're going to find one right here. Exodus 3, of course, is the story of the burning bush. I love it. I, you just read it slowly. Just the little details in that chapter are so fun. Moses is out there and sees a bush. It's on fire. And he, he says, I will turn aside to see. This is our posture right now. We're turning aside to see. We're going to turn aside to see. Just like Moses, just like John on Patmos. When he heard the voice behind him like a trumpet, he said, I will turn to see the voice. So Moses turns aside to see, and I love the little detail. It says, and he lowered himself to the ground because this bush is on fire, but it's not being consumed. And so the Lord begins to speak to Moses from the bush. He says, I wanna, I've heard the cry of my people, he goes, and their cry has come up to me. I'm going to set them free. I'm going I'm to release great deliverance from my people in Egypt. And so Moses asked two questions, and they're the obvious questions. Number one, he says, who am I that I could do that? That's crazy. Egypt, Pharaoh, big army, lots of money and power, and we're all slaves. Maybe you got the wrong guy. Who am I? And the Lord goes, I'll be with you. And, and really, beloved, that's the answer for everybody. It doesn't really matter what God calls you to do. If God's calling you to do it, it should be bigger than you. And so the first answer, which paralyzes pretty much everybody, how can I do this? Who am I? God answers it. He goes, I'll be with you. It's not about you, little buddy. It's about me. He goes, and I'll be with you. And so then Moses asks the most obvious next question. Who are you? Who should I say sent me? I mean, how do I, so how do I do this? And he goes, I am the God of your fathers, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, let's just read it. Then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what is his name? He goes, what shall I say to them? He goes, now who are you? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. 
And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Verse 15, moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord. Now, probably in all of your Bibles, the Lord, L-O-R-D, is in all caps, right? That is... The Hebrew letters Y-H-W-H, that's how we would see it in English, Y-H-W-H. We, we call it Yahweh. It's, it's essentially the, the proper name of God. He goes, tell them it's I am. In other words, I love I am because I am is the always. He's the always, the eternal one. The I am, the one that's forever. The eternal one. Tell them the eternal one, the I am has sent has sent you. And then he goes, and here is my name. The Lord, we would say, the way that the translators transliterate it, but it's, he goes, Yahweh. My name is Yahweh. And he actually says the name to Moses. And, and Yahweh, it says, the, he says, the, God, the Lord God, Yahweh, God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. He said, this is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. So he goes, my name is Yahweh, my memorial is I'm the God of three generations of fathers. This name, Yahweh, it means the self-existent one. (laughs) The self-existent one. That right there, I mean, it answers, he says, I am, I'm the eternal one. And he says, I'm the self-existent one. There is no one who's created me and no one causes me to to continue to exist. I am from forever to forever of myself. The self-existent one is sending you, Moses. I mean, talk about... (laughs) The magnitude of aptitude. The ability. The, I mean, the infinite ability possessed by God. Self-existent. Everyone, everyone that's ever lived on the planet came from someone else. Everyone, except for Adam, he came from God, so there's another someone else. But every human not only came from someone else, we also exist because we have all these different things that God has provided that enable us to exist. If God burnt up all the oxygen in an instant, every human life stops. If all the water goes away, every human life is gone. We are no more self-existent than any of the other creations, you know, creatures on the earth. God is fully self-existent. We say it this way, he's uncreated He's of himself. I mean, do you grasp who this is? You you probably shouldn't be able to. If you imagine that you do, you probably have just gone ahead and failed the test just right there, just saying. I mean, self-existent one. So he's answering Moses' question. He goes, how are we going to do this? I mean, look at me. I'm such a, he goes, I'm nothing. I can't. I'm a stutter. And God goes, I'll be with you. He goes, okay, okay. And who are you? He goes, the one who is fully capable that has all the capacity that is actually of myself existent and no one else props me up. 
I've got it all. The always and self-existent one, Yahweh. Man, that's powerful. So we know the story. Moses goes, calls down ten plagues. God releases an incredible deliverance. And then they get outside and they get to Sinai. And, and there's this, I mean, if you, if you just kind of got to get your mind around what's going on here. They get to Sinai. And, and Moses starts having encounters with the Lord. He starts shining with glory because he's going up on the mountain. 40 days, he gets the Ten Commandments. All these different things happen. The people turn away from God. They create the, the golden calf. And it's out of that that the Lord says, I'm not going to go with you anymore. I'm going to send an angel. And Moses says, that, that can't be. That can't be. And uh, the people mourn, but Moses intercedes. The people go into self-pity, but Moses goes into aggressive pursuit. Man, that sometimes is the, the, the only difference between those who attain and those don't. It's bad, the situation's rough, some will go inward and some will go upward. And that's it, that's the only difference. Whether you choose to go inside into self-pity and just go, woe is me, it's all over, I knew it wasn't going to work anyway. Or you choose to go, God, I, I can't go out like this. Your name is at stake. God, I'm yours. And whether it's hell, whatever it is I've got to go through, I'm going through because you are going to take me through. And I'm here, and I'm not going anywhere without you. Come, God, do it, do it. Do it. Self-existent one. And that's what he does. He, sa- he just goes, no. While the people are all mourning and giving up, Moses goes, no, no. That won't work. I cannot go up from here unless you go. Unless you go, I cannot go. Beloved, I cannot tell you how many times in my life I've come to that place where I go, this, I cannot take one more step forward, God, unless you move me. Unless you come and move me, I can't. I can't. Like I'm sitting here tonight. We have great worship. We have presence. There's anointing. It's precious in here. But I'm saying to the Lord, unless you flip the switch, we can't get to the next level. Just tell me when or what. I'll do headstands. I'll do, you know, whatever. And he's not trying to get you to perform like that. It's mostly just wait. But I'm like, just flip the switch, God. Because we can't go unless you take us. And that's what Moses said. He goes, I can't. And God goes, I like that answer, Moses. I like that intercession. And Moses was an incredible intercessor. And so God goes, okay, I'll go with you. And then Moses keeps going. He goes, okay, good, good. Show me your glory. How about that? <laughs> just keep going while you're in the mood, Lord. Show me your glory. And he's tying it to the issue, you got to study it, but he ties it to the issue of him knowing God. He goes, I have to know you more deeply. Now, this is the Moses that had the encounter at the burning bush that God said his name to that no other generation had ever heard. This is the Moses that calls down ten plagues on Egypt that splits the Red Sea. This is the Moses that gets the Ten Commandments written on stone by the finger of God. This is that Moses, and Moses goes, I don't know you enough. Show me your glory. And we know the story. The Lord says, you can't see my face. And he ties the issue of the glory to the issue of his countenance. And those two are linked. So when we see it in number six and the Lord says, I'm going to make my face shine upon you. What is he saying? He goes, I'm going to impart glory to you. 
And in the impartation of glory, the name of God rests on you. All three of those are linked. Glory, the face, and the name. Note it. In your study, glory, face, and name. God's glory, God's face, and God's name. They're all tied together. Now again, I'm reading the menu. I don't really get this, what I'm preaching right now. Praise God. Yeah, when you come on Sunday night, you get to hear somebody talk about mysteries that he doesn't understand. A lot of fun. Praise God. It feels good to me, though. Hopefully it feels good to you. (laughs) Okay, let me get to the point here. Uh, So he says, show me your glory because you can't see my face. And then what does the Lord say? He goes, I'll make all my goodness pass before you. You'll see uh, my backside. He goes, but I'll proclaim to you what? My name. Face, glory, name. He goes, I'm going to make all my goodness pass before you and say my name to you. Interesting. Because didn't he already tell him his name? So is he going to fly by him and say Yahweh, or what's he going to say? No, now he's going he's to unwrap what he is as the self-existent one. He's going to unwrap some of his attributes. He's going to explain who he is as the one that perpetuates himself. The uncreated God is about to tell Moses what he's like. So he's going to start unpacking attributes. He's going to lay out for Moses details of his nature. And so when the Lord says, I'll put my name on you, he's saying, I'm going to wrap you in my nature. And so we get it. Exodus 34, verse 5. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there. I love that one. He stood with him there. You should pray that one. Lord, just come and stand with me. Just come and stand with me here. I, I pray that basically every time I preach, Lord, just stand with me here. Hold my hand. I like that one. Hold my hand, Isaiah 42, and stand with me from Exodus 34. Stand with me. Stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. He proclaimed the name of the Lord. But what did he say? He proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, Yahweh, Yahweh. And then he unpacks the nature, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, by no means clearing the guilty. And then he goes on, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. I've preached series on that, so I'm not going to go through the details of that tonight, but you have multiple attributes of God, and you have this justice strand in the heart of God, where he, he by no means clears the unrepentant. He's merciful to the repentant, but he doesn't clear the unrepentant. That's what he's talking about there. He starts off with merciful, then he says he doesn't clear the guilty. The guilty are the unrepentant guilty. That's what he's talking about. Because this is my name. This is my nature. I'm merciful. I'm gracious. I'm long-suffering with humanity. I'm abounding in goodness and truth. I keep mercy for thousands. I forgive iniquity, transgression, and sins. And I by no means clear the unrepentant. Wow. You could spend a lifetime studying those attributes and the deep well of who God is as the long-suffering God with humanity. 
the ever-patient one. See, add I am to all those. I am always merciful. I am always long-suffering. I am always gracious. Just go down the list. I am always just. That's who he is. So Moses gets the declaration of the name with unpacked attributes. These, all these ideas are the, the, the depths of the glory, the beauty of God. Because glory isn't simply what he looks like on the outside or even the feeling of power that comes on a, a person when you feel the presence of God. Glory is the depths of the being of God. And so, I mean, Moses is getting a download right here. God is unveiling himself and giving him of his depths. Oh. We're going to get there. This is so good. So the name, the issue of the name, it's all over the scripture. The Old Testament, the issue of the name of the Lord. The Lord is jealous about his name. He, he says it over and over and over that he won't allow people to profane his name. And, and he's really serious about his name. In fact, he uses terminology about the name that really, uh, it, it gives it um, human attributes in a sense. The, the name nearly sounds like a person. For instance, 2 Samuel 13, he says, He shall build a house for my name. Talking about the temple. He's talking about Solomon. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. There's this idea, and the, the, for instance, the temple is described as a house for the name of the Lord. A house for the name of the Lord. There's all sorts of interesting ways the idea of the name is used. 13 different times in the Old Testament, it's, it's described the temple as a house for the name of the Lord. Here's another one. Don't even turn there. Just bring it up on the screen. The, the, the Exodus 23. So the angel of the Lord also went with the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness... And the Lord tells the people, he says, hey, he goes, you got to listen to the angel of the Lord. And here's why. Verse 20, uh, verse 20 of chapter 23 of Exodus, he goes, behold, I sent an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I've prepared. Look at these. Look at this. This is interesting. Beware of him and obey his voice and do not provoke him for he will not pardon your transgressions. Well, that's interesting. Why? For my name is in him. He goes, that, that attribute of my nature that doesn't clear the guilty is in this one. So don't tempt him and test him. In this angel of the Lord. There's a whole strain of teaching there on angel of the Lord. We won't go there. It's just really fascinating. The name. And then you've got all these verses in Psalms. Give glory to the name. Glory to the name. Over and over and over and over. Glory to the name. I go, man, how do you give glory to the name of the Lord? Glory to the nature of God, glory to the remembrance. Because sometimes when he uses his name, he's talking about the way he's perceived, the remembrance of him. Now stay with me. Over and over and over. Glory do his name. Psalm 29, verse 2. And it ties beauty and majesty and glory and the name again together. Given to the Lord, the glory do his name, the glory do his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. See, the name is wrapped in all these glory, beauty, holy things. The name is always in there. 
show me your glory. He goes, you can't see my face. I'll tell you my name. It, those th- it's always wrapped up like that. The nature of God, the name of God, the face of God. If his face shines on you, the name is upon you. What is this? I know, I don't know that I like it too. I'll tell you what it is. Stunning. It's stunning is what it is. Look at this verse, Isaiah 30. You go, this isn't very practical. I'm not trying to be practical. I'm trying to point us to God. You don't know him and neither do I. I promise you, we've not scratched the surface on him yet. If his greatness is unsearchable, it means you can go for infinity and you'll never get to the end of it. How much of him do you think you really got so far? Come on, team. We don't got him, we don't got it, we don't know him yet. It's I mean, we're trying to delve into the mystery of mysteries, the beauty of majesty, glory, the nature and the name of our God. Look at this, Isaiah 30. I love it. There's so many. Interesting points in Isaiah 30. I'm about to now bring an exclamation point to this. Who is the name? What is the name? What is the name? Look at verse 27, Isaiah 30. Behold. I say this often, but when you see behold in the scripture, it's not just for like effect. It's there for importance. It's actually an unveiling. Every time it's an unveiling. Behold. I call it the divine voila. Behold. Behold. Look at this. The name of the Lord comes from afar, burning with his anger, and his burden is heavy. His lips are full of indignation, and his tongue like a devouring fire. His breath is like an overflowing stream which reaches up to the neck to sift the nations with the sieve of futility. I, I don't know what the sieve of futility is, but I don't think you want to get sifted with it. It's, it's the futility of the nation's works in light of the glory of God. Now look at this. Behold, the name of the Lord comes from afar. Now if you read this verse in context, this, this chapter is clearly talking about the second coming. I want to give you a truth that I never comprehended before. Maybe you had, but I'd never seen it before. The name of the Lord, it is those four letters. It is Yahweh. It is the nature of God unpacked. But the name of the Lord is a person. The name of the Lord is Jesus. I'm not saying the name Jesus. I'm talking about the man. Yeshua. He is the name of the Lord. Well, what do you mean by that? What I mean is this. Just as Jesus Christ is the word of God made flesh, Jesus Christ is the name of God made flesh. He is the name of the Lord. What does that mean? It means he's the express image of his glory, like Hebrews 1 says. He's the manifestation, the full-blown manifestation of the name and nature of the self-existent one. Jesus is the name of the Lord. And that's why when all you got all these Old Testament scriptures, he goes, I'm going to build a house for my name. He's actually looking through the corridors of time and looking at the sun. 
Because when Jesus Christ returns, he will sit in the tabernacle of David, the restored temple. He'll sit there and rule the nations from there. The name of the Lord will be great and greatly to be praised. Oh, man, dude, I'm serious. This is, like, awesome. The manifestation of the nature of God fully wrapped up in skin we called him Jesus, but his name is as much Yahweh as it is Yeshua. He's the express image of his glory. Paul said it this way, he's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He is uh, the manifestation of God's name, the self-existent one in human form. Do you comprehend the beauty of Christ? I guarantee you we do not. And so all of a sudden now, there's literally hundreds of verses in the Old Testament that say the name of the Lord. Worship him in the beauty of holiness. Give him the glory due the name. <laughs> you can take the name of the Lord and you, can, you could uh, insert the Son of God right there. Every, I mean, virtually, I read through every last one of them, like 250 verses. You could, I mean, virtually every one of them Put, put the Son of God instead of the name of the Lord, and it, and it works out pristinely. It's, it's shocking. Why, then, shall we listen to the angel of the Lord? He goes, because the Son of the Lord is inside of him. And that's a main doctrine that many people believe, that the angel of the Lord is the pre-incarnate Christ. And when he shows up, when the angel, the, listen, this is so cool. When the, when the angel of the Lord shows up to Samson's parents, and he prophesies over Samson, and they go, they ask the normal question, now, who are you? What's your name? And the angel answers, he goes, why do you ask me my name? Because you can see it's wonderful, can't you? It's wonderful. His name shall be called. Oh, my gosh. Jesus Christ, the manifestation of the name and nature of God. And throughout the Old Testament, when you see the Lord's jealousy for His name, in the same way, it's the jealousy for His Son. When He has a house being built for His name, it's a house being built for His Son. When He says, worship Him and give Him the glory to His name, it's the glory to His Son. Oh, beloved, we have not begun to understand who our God is. We've very minimally comprehended him. Look at this verse. I love this. John 8. Jesus going back and forth with the Pharisees. They're giving him a hard time. Verse 53. They ask him. They question him. Are you greater than our father Abraham who is dead? And the prophets that are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? I mean, you're asking Yahweh in the flesh. Who do you think you are? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a shock that he didn't just turn on the full flesh-melting glory right there. And they just melt. And he goes, now who do you think I am? I mean, if thank God that he's merciful, gracious, full of account. Because if it was you and I, we just go, we just melt one guy. 
Anybody else want to ask me that question? I mean, we would do like that. Who do you make yourself out to be? Verse 54, Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he's your God. Yet you have not known him. But I know him. Let me stop there. It would be better for us to agree with Jesus right there. You step into a pharisaical mindset as soon as you imagine you actually know the self-existent one. I mean, we know him. He's eternal life. Yes, but the introduction at salvation, that version of knowing God is only the introduction. Agree with Jesus. You've been introduced, but you don't fully know him. Beloved, that is critical to growth in Christ. The, the most uh, stagnating thing that paralyzes the church is you get a few little points down. You go, okay, I won't cuss, no artery movies, don't you know my taxes? I know him. You have no idea who he is. Who is the self-existent one? Who is he? It's like Job. He imagined that he knew God. He imagined that he knew God, and then he gets smitten by the devil, stricken with all those afflictions, and he goes, well, if God would show up, I would justify myself. And then when he does show up, the Lord says this, gird yourself like a man, and I will tell you who I am. And he goes on and asks him all these intense questions. Do you know who makes snow in the heavens? If you do, tell me. Do you know who puts the spirit of man inside of a man? Say if you know the answer. And he just starts, I mean, he starts just like, <laughs> it's, it's kind of humorous. Who makes the platypus? He starts asking questions like that. And then Job is so undone. He, at the end, he just goes, I put my face to the ground, my hand over my mouth. He goes, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear. Now my eye sees you. I don't know you. The only one in the whole book that makes any sense is Elihu. Behold, our God is great, and we do not know him. Stay on that team. There's safety and humility. Come on. So that's what Jesus said. He goes, you think you know him, but you don't. You have not known him. And Jesus goes, but I know him. The only human that can rightly say, I know the Father. I know Him. And if I say I do not know Him, I shall be a liar like you. Are you feeling that? But I do know Him and keep His word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, You're not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Because I'm Yahweh. Jesus Christ tells the Pharisees, he's Yahweh. They knew he was quoting the conversation Moses had at the burning bush. I'm Yahweh. The most scandalous thing in their mind for a human to say, I'm God in the flesh. 
but he was. All the manifold attributes of God in manifestation is Jesus. So when the Lord said that he'll make his face shine upon you and that will cause the name to be upon you, it'll invoke the name on you, it's that you'll be dressed with the glory of Jesus. Oh, beloved, this is our portion. We're so hungry for beauty and majesty. We're so hungry to be thrilled and shocked. And we have no comprehension that Jesus Christ is our portion. The self-existent one is fully available for us. He's our continual feast. He will send our hearts on a thrill ride for infinity. He's right there before us. We have full access to him. And he is the full manifestation of the Godhead in bodily form. This man Christ Jesus is Yahweh. He is, he's ours. He's our portion. I love these thoughts. So what does Jesus do when he comes into our gatherings? What does he do? Hebrews 2.12. He gets in the gathering and he declares the Father's name. He declares, he manifests the nature of, of the Father among us. He says, I will declare your name in the midst of the assembly. You know what we need? We need gatherings where Jesus Christ manifests what Moses heard. That's what we need. We need gatherings where mercy is on display. Loving kindness. I'm talking about the unadulterated, I am always version of the loving kindness of God. You won't stand before it. You won't stand before the goodness of God, the truth of God. When the full truth of God is uncorked and hits a human soul, what happens? Freedom! A little brave heart for you. Freedom. Jesus said this, John 17, verse 6. If you're still wondering if he's the name, in describing how he did his earthly ministry, he's at the finality of his earthly ministry. And here's what he says about how he's finished his course. He says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you've given me. Jesus' goal was to come here and be the living manifestation of the Father. I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I hear the Father say. Just as he is the word made flesh, he is the name made flesh. Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I used to read that and go, oh, that's nice. I mean, he is the Father and the Father is him. But no, really, his name is Everlasting Father. Jesus' name is Everlasting Father, Yahweh. I don't think we comprehend our God. I'm not sure we, un- we understand Christ. Let me give you another look at a few familiar verses. Malachi 1. Because now I'm just rambling. Malachi 1, look at this on your screen. For from the rising of the sun, now remember, you can put the sun 
you can put the Son of God in there for the name of God. For from the rising of the sun, even to its going down, my name, the Son of God, shall be great among the Gentiles. And every place incense shall be offered to my name. And a pure offering, for my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. <laughs> Look at uh, Isaiah 56. Yeah, yeah, we, we know these verses. We think we do. We don't know this. These are the most familiar verses to us in the prayer, but we don't even know what they're talking about. We just, we think Malachi 1 means everybody's going to know the name of God. No, they're going to know the Son of God, Jesus, ruling the planet. Come on. Isaiah 56, verse 6. Also, the sons of the foreigner who join themselves to the Lord, to Yahweh, to serve him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone who keeps from defiling Sabbath and hold fast to my covenant, even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. <laughs> Our most familiar verses all point to the name of the Lord, and the name of the Lord points to Jesus Christ. Oh, beloved. Let me just read a list for you, and then we'll close. First Chronicles 16.10. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those uh, rejoice who seek the Lord. First Chronicles 16, 29. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Psalm 8, verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Who have set your glory above the heavens. Psalm 72, 19. And blessed be his glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Psalm 79, verse 9. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name. And deliver us and provide atonement for our sins for your name's sake. Come on, man. Are you guys getting this? like we get it i don't think we got it psalm 96 verse 8 give to the lord the glory due his name bring an offering and come into his courts psalm 102 verse 15 so the nations shall fear the name of the lord and all the kings of the earth your glory psalm 15 verse 1 not unto us O lord not unto us but to your name give glory to jesus and all the kings of the earth, your glory. Oh, oh, oh. Because, no, no. Because of your mercy and because of your truth. Psalm 148, verse 13. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His name alone is exalted. Jesus alone will be Lord in that day, Zechariah says. His name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and heaven. Last one. Isaiah 59, 19. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. The name of the Lord is to be praised. Jesus is the manifestation, the human manifestation of all the Father's nature and name. Just as he is the word made flesh, he is the name made flesh. 
And the name is the, is, the name is the expression of the glory. That's why it says it in Hebrews. He's the expression of the glory of the Father. Oh, beloved. I don't think we've even gone, I don't even think we've put a toe into this pool. I know I haven't. Maybe I'm speaking too many, too many times for you. But I don't feel like I've even put a toe in this pool. That the, the man Christ Jesus is the human carrying all the attributes of the self-existent one. Oh, I want to see him. Let his face shine on me. Let his name be upon me. Come on. Let's stand. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Give him the glory to his name. The name of the Lord comes. The name of the Lord is coming. Jesus said in Revelation 3 verse 12, he says, He who overcomes, I'll make him a pillar in the temple of my God. He should go out no more and I will write on him the name of my God. And the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes out down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. <laughs> Revelation 22, 4. Here it is. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. <laughs> Lord, we want to see your face, that your name would be upon us. The nature of our God would clothe us. We would be ones clothed with the very glory that we're peering into. We're transformed into the same image, even from glory to glory. Lord, I don't understand these things very well. But there's something inside of me that longs for these encounters. I want to know your name. I want to know your son. I want to see him. Jesus Christ, arrayed in glory. The express image of the nature of the Father. And Jesus, it is your desire. For you said, Father, give me the glory I had with you before the world was formed. You said, I desire that those you've given me would be with me. That you could show us your glory. Here we are again, Lord. Here we are again. Mystery of mysteries. The name, the nature, the glory, the face. All tied together. Lord, we want to declare with Elihu, we don't know you. We want to agree with you, Jesus. We haven't known you yet. We've been introduced to you through salvation. We're grateful for that. Behold, our God is great. Come, Holy Spirit.
Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, take us on a journey to the knowledge of God. Take us on a journey to the nature of God. 